0: How many of you recognize who that is? All right. Larry Bird, Hall of Fame NBA basketball player uh, for the Celtics. Three NBA championships as a member of that team. Voted one of the 50 greatest players of all time. Voted the NBA's MVP, most valuable player three different times. Finals, MVP multiple times, all-star games. A member of the original dream team, the Olympic team that won gold medal. On and on we could go with the accolades. He's considered one of the, uh, the absolute greatest players ever. Larry Bird grew up very poor with his mom working multiple jobs to take care of the family. His dad was an alcoholic who committed suicide while Larry Bird was in high school. Bird grew up in a small town, a country town, and he was shy lived in Indiana, and he was, he felt out of place among people who were well-educated and getting along well in life, struggled with grammar and how to uh, carry himself, lacked confidence, but the one thing he was really good at was playing basketball. So when he graduated high school, he got a scholarship to play for Bobby Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers, but after a little while, he left the university and went back home because he was overwhelmed by just the size of it. I mean, there were more students there than the place where he grew up, and and, and it intimidated him. And He was around uh, so many people from the city, the inner cities and suburban areas, and he wasn't used to that, and he, he just fell out of place, so he, he quit the team and he quit college and went back home. Got a job on a garbage truck while he was home working a municipal job he got married and divorced and his life was headed nowhere fast. He thought he'd give college another try. This time he enrolled at Indiana State, a smaller university in a smaller place. And those of you who know much about basketball know that he went on to become just an incredible great college basketball player. His Last year, he won the, the award for the best player in the country, the Nat- Naismith Award for the best basketball player. Drafted by the Boston Celtics. And when he we he was drafted in 79, he, he signed what was at that time the richest contract any rookie had ever signed. And of course, he went on to have a <clears throat> great professional career. And there's a lot of stories, a lot of lessons, if you will, we could live from his life, things like... Uh, you know, don't let one failure become a second failure. Get back up and try again. Uh, overcoming challenges and your background and your upbringing, not letting your your background defeat you. The the power of, of 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 being driven, of having a personality that says you're going to you're going to go forward no matter what. So so many lessons we could lift from his life. But today. I want to focus on on one lesson in particular as we continue this teaching series on living successfully. And the lesson I want us to focus on is the, the 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 truth that we succeed in life by building on what we're good at, not what we're bad at. That success is created by focusing on your strengths, not your weaknesses. So this series in January, Living Successfully, we're looking at some practical things and some biblical perspectives on how to live a successful life. Last week, we said that if you're going to live successfully, you have to know what success really is and then secondly, how to achieve it. And success, as the scripture defines it, is all about relationships, your relationship with God, relationships with other people, especially your family. And then doing things in life through work and volunteerism, (coughs) your effort, your energy, investing that in things that are meaningful and that add significance to this world and to life. And if you're going to do those things, if you're going to succeed in those relationships and and in what you do, then you have to put first things first. You have have to deal with the priorities first and always keep them first. And you have to also be a person of, of character because lack of character can undo everything you want to accomplish. Now today as we continue thinking about, all right, how do I succeed in living the kind of life God wants me to live, I I just want us to zero in this morning on that one idea that we succeed by building on our strengths, not our weaknesses. I've titled this message, Soaring with Your Strengths. Larry Bird had a talent. He had a skill, and it was was playing uh, basketball. But you may not know that he also played baseball. He played baseball, and he was pretty good at it both in high school and in college. But what he was really good at was basketball. Now, he could have said, I like this other one and focused on it and been okay, but not nearly as successful as he was by focusing on what he was absolutely gifted at. And later in life, he said something. This is a quote from Larry Bird. He said, a winner is someone who recognizes his God-given talents. Now, notice this. This is Larry Bird. And he works his tail off to develop them into skills and uses these skills to accomplish his goals. There's a lot of truth in that statement. Knowing what you're good at, working hard to develop it, and aiming it in a a good direction. See, there 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 are two problems that get in the way of success. One is never figuring out those things that you're good at. Never, never coming to understand those things that you're better at, that you're gifted at, that you have more passion for. And the second problem that keeps people from succeeding is, is focusing too much of their energy and too much of their attention on what they're not good at, on their weaknesses instead of their strength. There, it, seems, it seems like in life there's this unwritten rule, okay, this this unwritten rule that says let's fix what is wrong Let's let's fix what is weak. Let's 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 see if we can turn our weakness into a strength, and we'll just let the strengths take care of themselves. Seems just like seems like just about everybody wants to go down that path in business and in, in work, organizations, families, parents. When we think about ourselves, that's that's the way we tend to to get out at it. But here. Let me say something. Do you know what happens when you put most of your energy on your weaknesses? You become average. Not great. You become average. Not great. None of what you're focusing on is truly a weakness. Now, I want, to listen. I want you to listen because I know that some of what I'm saying is challenging the way some of us in this room normally think. Stick with me. Listen. There was a, a study, a research done at the University of Nebraska a few years ago. They wanted to study speed reading and comprehension. And so they worked with 1,000 university students. They tested them, how fast they read and how well they comprehended what they read. And then they put those 1,000 students through speed reading and comprehension training. The expectation was that those who started out really slow in reading and comprehension would improve The most. Makes sense, right? That's what most of us would think. If if you had this scenario, we're going to test people. Where are you right now in your reading skills, your your speed and comprehension, and let's train you. And those who are way down here are going to move much more than those who are already way. That's just how we think about things. But the study found just the opposite was true. What the study showed was that, that everybody improved Those who were really weak got better, but they became average, not great. In fact, those who were the fastest readers in the beginning, who were already reading 350 words a minute, improved to reading 2,900 words a minute. Those who were the slowest readers, those who read 90 words a minute, improved to reading 150 words a minute. See, there's a biblical principle at work, so I want you to take your Bible and look with me. In the book of Romans, chapter 12. The book of Romans, chapter 12. Now, I know some of you are dying to ask me, Steve, what about your weaknesses? Well, hang on. We'll get to that later. Okay? Because you're so focused on it, that's where your mind wants to go right away. Just hang on. We'll get there. Romans, chapter 12. Now, look what God says. Verses 4 and following, he says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, he's speaking about our human body, fingers, hand, feet, toes, knees, elbows, nose, ears, eyes, various organs of the body, one body with all these different organs, all these different pieces, parts, members, and each one has different functions, but it, but together they, they form a body, correct? He continues in verse 5 by talking about the church, about Christians. He says in verse 5, so we, us, okay, the people of God, who are many, we, we come from different places, different backgrounds, We we're, we're not all wired the same, we're many, right? Notice he says we're many. We're one body in Christ. In Christ we're all part of the same family of faith, the same body, same church, not just the local church but the people of God, the family of God, one body, the body of Christ. And individually members one of another just like my hand is part of my body the same as my foot is part of my body. You are part of the body of Christ. I am part of the body of Christ. The person sitting to your side, to your left, to your right, behind you, in front of you. As believers in Christ, we're all members of one another, part of the same body, even though we are individually different and unique. Then he adds in verse 6, Since we have gifts, talking about spiritual gifts, these talents that God gives us. Now notice, gifts that differ according to the grace given to us spiritual gifts are grace gifts they are an expression of the love of god and what he's saying is that the grace of god the love of god gives to each individual in this body different gifts different talents different skills different passions we're we're, we're distinct we're part of one another belong together and in the same body, but we're not the same. Not only are we different individuals, we are gifted different, differently, and it is the grace of God, the love of God expressed in each of us that gives us these varying gifts and talents and abilities and skills. Not our choosing. They are grace gifts. Then he continues in verse 6 by saying, not only do we have these gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. In other words, if your gift is this, do that. If your gift is A, do A. If your gift is B, do B. If your gift is C, do C. If your talent, your skill, if you're A, don't try to do X. You won't be great at it. He continues, If it's prophecy, then according to the proportion of his faith, verse 7, If service in his serving, he who teaches in his teaching, verse 8, He who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. In other words, he says, "You, You have these different gifts and skills and talents, and, and you have passions, and you are to serve, use those as, 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 as a function in the body of Christ, understanding that God has gifted you to do certain things. And, and not everyone who has the same gift has the same level of giftedness. The grace of God gives to some Gift A in this amount, and others gift A in a different amount or different level or ability. Now, now stay with me. What he's saying here is that in the church... The way you are effective in ministry, the way you are effective in contributing to the kingdom of God is doing what God's gifted you, wired you, prepared you to do. For instance, what would happen in this church if suddenly Steve White decided he wanted to retire and you all really went crazy and called me to be the minister of worship and music? What would happen? (laughs) It, It would be a disaster. I've often joked in in, in life that I, I, I don't believe in singing preachers and preaching singers. Whatever God's gifted you to do, do it. It's amazing how many people want gifts they don't have. The way you succeed in contributing to the kingdom of God and to the church is to do those things you can do well. God's gifted you to do. Now, is that not the same principle as Achieving success by focusing on your strengths and what you're good at. Hmm. Isn't that the same principle? See, there's there's nothing that's ever discovered out there in leadership and social sciences and all of that 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 God does not already know because He's the one who created it. Think about the biblical example of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. We meet Barnabas in the book of Acts chapter 4 of the church in Jerusalem in the early days of the church, and, and Barnabas was not his given name. Who knows what his given name was? His birth name was Joseph. Joseph. Barnabas was the name given to him by the apostles in Jerusalem because Barnabas meant son of encouragement. And and when they saw this guy, they said, He is so gifted at just encouraging people and building people up. They gave him another name, Barnabas, and that's the name that stuck. You know anybody whose nickname stuck and that's what everybody calls them? That's Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Now here's the apostle Paul. Before he's the Apostle Paul, he's the the persecutor Saul, persecuting the church and persecuting Christians, and God saves him. And and everybody in Christianity is suspicious of him. Who is the man that takes Saul, this persecutor of the church who's now saved, under his wing and, and, and encourages him and builds him up into faith? Do you know who it is? It's Barnabas, the son of encouragement. You jump ahead a few years, and Barnabas and Paul, his name his he focused on his Roman name now, Paul, they're serving together at a church at Antioch when God leads them to become missionaries. And so Paul and Barnabas become the first two great missionaries of the church, and, and they go on what we call this, this missionary journey to Cyprus and Turkey and places, and they take with them a young man named John Mark. Halfway through the trip, John Mark, for whatever reason we're not told, quits and goes back home. Paul and Barnabas finish that missionary trip, and then later they're ready to go out on a second missionary trip. This is a, you know, two, three years later, they're ready to go on another missionary trip, and, and they're getting ready to take off. And Barnabas wants to take John Mark with them and give him another chance. And, and he's growing and encourage him. Now, if if Barnabas was the person gifted with encouragement. Do you know what Paul's gift was? It wasn't encouragement. He, he was the he was the 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 driven visionary and 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 he wanted people he knew he could count on and and the Bible says there was a heated what's the uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it's translated. Basically, they had a hot shouting match. They got into an argument. Paul and Barnabas over whether or not to take John Mark. And they could not agree to take him, and so they parted company. And Paul went on that missionary journey and took another man named Silas. Barnabas went on a separate missionary journey and took with him John Mark. Now we know this changed John Mark's life. You know how we know? Because you jump ahead several years... And one of the persons that the Apostle Paul, I'm talking about years down the road, the Apostle Paul says is a great help to me is John Mark. They had reconciled, and John Mark had become this strong servant of Jesus Christ. And I've sometimes wondered what would have happened if Barnabas had not used his giftedness and his passion and his makeup to come alongside John Mark at that critical moment. Was Paul wrong or right? I think they were both right because they were working out of their giftedness and God created two missionary teams that reached countless people for Christ. See, too often we think everybody has to be the same. Everybody has to be wired the same. Everybody has to have the same passion. Everybody has to have the same gifts and skills and talents and and everybody has to. no, No, That's not how it works. We hold the church back when we think like that. Barnabas was an encourager. That was his strength. And look at how God used it. God used Barnabas' strength at encouraging people, not only to give him a nickname, but to mentor the Apostle Paul when everybody else was afraid to even talk to Paul as a new Christian. And, and to rescue this young servant that could have been beaten up and discouraged by Paul's treatment of him and turn him into a great leader in the early church. Do you get the, do you get the lesson? He used his gifts, his strength. So did Paul. They were just different. And both ended up being successful. And so I want to say it again. We achieve our best when we focus on our strengths, not our weaknesses. Now, how many of you enjoy watching the Olympics? You all like watching the Olympics? When it comes to table tennis or ping pong, what country's the best? Who always wins? China, right? Well, one year a reporter asked the Chinese coach to describe the team's daily training routine. And so the coach said, we practice eight hours a day perfecting our strengths. The reporter asked him to be more specific. And so here's what the coach said. Let me read it to you. He said, here's our philosophy. If you develop your strengths to the maximum, the strength becomes so great it overwhelms the weakness. Our winning player, you see, plays only his forehand. Even though he cannot play backhand and his competition knows he cannot play backhand, his forehand is so invincible he can't be beaten. Now that's not how we normally think, is it? And and, and sometimes as parents, what do we do? We focus all of our energy on fixing all those things in our kids we don't like rather than recognizing what they're really good at and what they're succeeding at and helping them be built up in those areas. Is that is that not human nature? I've done it. Have you ever done that? Huh? It's, it's the way we're wired sometimes to approach a life. Now, let me ask you. Does what I'm saying about soaring with your strengths, does that mean that you... Just ignore your weakness. You don't pay any attention to them. Is that what I'm saying? No, I'm not. I am saying you have to manage your weakness. Now, you can have a strength that you've never turned into a strength, a skill that you've never fully developed. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some things that you're weak at, and you can never turn them into a strength because you just can't do it. But you got to learn how to manage them. Some of, you, some of you think you can do everything. No, you, you can't do everything. But you do have to manage your weaknesses because if you don't pay attention to them, they'll defeat you. If you ignore them, they have the potential to undo everything you succeed at. And so you have to develop a process, a strategy, a plan, put it in place to manage them so they don't defeat you. And what that looks like depends on what your weaknesses are and, and your situation in life. But you have to develop some process or strategy for managing them and stop spending all your energy trying to turn them into a strength. How, how many of you, you recognize the old saying, you can do anything if you just set your mind to it? You ever heard that? You ever said that? We tell kids that all the time, don't we? And we mean good by that. But let me tell you why that's wrong. It's wrong because it, is, it assumes we all have the same talents. was talking about uh, singing a moment ago. I cannot sing well. I can sing. I just can't do it well. Could I improve? Probably a little bit with some teaching. When I was a kid, I had guitars. I learned, I, I, I learned a lot of chords. But every time I wanted to tune my guitar, I had to have somebody do it for me because no matter how hard I tried, no matter what instruments I had, no matter what lessons I took, I could never hear it. To tune. I just, just, it just never clicked. Basketball. I love basketball. I played basketball when I was young. Now, here, here, here's here's my hand. There's nothing I can do that will make those fingers grow and be longer than they are right now. Great basketball players typically, if they, if I put my hand in their hand. Those who can who can soar way above the basket and grab the ball with one hand and dunk, do you know why they are able to do that? A big part of it is because their fingers are long. Their hand is big. People who can only dunk with two hands, it's because their hands are smaller. I could never get high enough above the rim at my best to dunk anyway. And and if, if I put my Rajon Rondo, still plays in the NBA, for the for the the New Orleans Pelicans he played at Kentucky years ago and his hand is twice as long as mine he's a guard who can hold the ball behind his back with it just i don't I don't get it i can hold a ball with two hands i can't palm it my fingers are not long enough And I could practice and practice and practice and practice and practice and practice, and my hands would never be able to do what Rondo's hands can do. I don't have that ability, and no amount of effort will change that. Now, does anybody disagree with what I just said? then why do we continue to tell ourselves and everyone else, whatever it is you want to do, you can do it great. You can do it, but you can't do everything great. It's not how life works, and it's not how God set the church up and how we are wired as human beings the creation of God. And so sometimes, you know what it's like? Sometimes we're like this fella, who's pushing an old car up to a gas station. The headlights are out, windshield's cracked, it's leaking oil, has four flat tires, gas tank's rusted and hanging down, fenders are flopping, and he's pushing it up to the gas tank, and when he gets up there, he says to the attendant, fill her up. And the attendant says, Why? That's how some of us live. But God says, I've created you in a beautiful way, and there are things you're good at. There are things you're passionate about, things you care about, things you can do. Do those and do them well. So how do you identify your strengths? Well, Jot this down. Here's some questions you can can ask yourself, some things you can think about. What, what What do you enjoy doing? What do you yearn to do? What do you like to do? What are you attracted to? That's one question. Second one, what comes easily to you? What do you catch on quick at? I mean, it just comes naturally to you. You catch on. You may have to work hard to perfect it, but it comes naturally to you. What do you do really well? What do other people tell you you do well? Now, I'm not just talking about the mamas who tell their kids they can sing when they can't and therefore they go on American Idol and make a fool of themselves. I'm talking about people who will be honest with you What do, what, what, what do people say? Man, you're really good at that. You did a great job with that. See, I, uh, I wanted to preach before I ever preached. You hear all these testimonies about people running from God. You know, God was calling them to preach and they just ran, ran, and ran and didn't want to preach. That's not my story. My story was I wanted to. God put a passion in my heart and I wanted to. I went slow to make certain it was God's will, not just what I wanted. And I never preached until someone asked me to. When they asked, I said yes. And what I remember is a one month past my 17th birthday, just turned 17 at that time, was preparing that sermon came easily and quickly. I remember standing in that packed church and preaching and having a blast. Nervous? Yes, but I enjoyed it. The second time I preached on a Sunday morning, two people were saved. And I still remember my Sunday school teacher, who was also my high school French teacher, coming by after the sermon and saying to me, I think you found your calling. It wasn't a long struggle for me. Now, I'm not saying it works that way every area of my life or in your life, but I am saying that that those things that that we are skilled to do and gifted to do, even if we haven't perfected the craft or the skill or the talent, haven't maximized it, there's an interest in it. We want to. There's a, there's a an attraction to it. There, there's some sense that it comes naturally to us. And, and we get affirmation. One of the reasons you need to be plugged into an to a good body of Christ as you get, you can get affirmation in those areas where you need it and you can get a, wait a minute in those areas where you don't need to go forward whatever you do I want to close with this and by the way we're going to talk more about this in my class Wednesday night so I hope you'll you'll join us uh Wednesday at 6:30 yeah Had a great group this past Wednesday night. Look forward to seeing more of you this coming Wednesday night. We're going to rap about all this stuff. Come on. But in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 8, we looked at a moment ago where he talks about using your gifts, succeeding that way, contributing the best that way. Do you know how that same chapter begins? Because verses 4 and following, he talks about this giftedness. But verses 1 and 2, we quote this all the time, but notice the context now of giftedness. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice. Mm. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed high by changing how you think. Isn't that what renewing of your mind means? Change how you think. Notice, though, at the end of verse 2, So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then he goes on to talk about using your giftedness. So whatever you do, do it in life as someone who has taken you and all that you are and said, God, here it is. I lay it down on the altar to you as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice. My gift to you, God. For you giving me the gifts I have, my gift to you, God, is me and those gifts in faithful service so that I might live in your